0: Welcome to the LA Soccer Hub Show. My name is Gio Garcia. Today is Thursday, November fifth. Joining us once again from LA Times, we got Kevin Baxter. Kevin, how you doing? All right. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Long time no see. You know.
1: Oh, actually, we saw each other last night. What do you mean?
0: <laughs> yeah, a little joke there. Yeah, no, we saw each other last night at the LA Galaxy. Uh, thrilling game, thrilling match. You know, also keeping uh, scores on LAFC in San Jose. Uh, it, was, it was an exciting time. We saw Chicharito. He played. He scored. A lot of things happened, so we know, at least on the MLS Western Conference side, we know who made it to the playoffs and who didn't.
1: Well, yeah, There's still one thing left in the West, well, uh, affecting Southern California teams. There's one thing left in the Western Conference to be decided. LAFC plays at home against Portland on Sunday, on Decision Day. They call it Decision Day. There's very few decisions left to be, to be had, but LAFC right now, sixth in the, in a conference, eight teams go to the playoffs. Um, The top four have home field advantage. Now does home field advantage mean anything uh, in a playoff without fans in the stands? I mean, certainly it changes the atmosphere. Um, There are a couple of things, Portland and Seattle play on turf. So you probably don't want to go play there. Um, San Jose has that horrible, horrible field. So Mm -hmm. you probably don't want to go there, but if you stay home, you don't have to travel. And that's a pretty big deal now with COVID and everything else. So, With that as the buildup, LAFC can get home field advantage uh, in their first playoff game if they win on Sunday, they beat Portland, Minnesota United and Dallas both have to lose. So if Minnesota Hmm. and Dallas lose, LAFC wins, LAFC finish fourth, and they would have their first playoff game at home. Otherwise, it looks like uh, LAFC is going to open the playoffs on the road.
0: Yeah, they 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 had a. I mean, I, I feel anytime you play against San Jose in, in that in that stadium in that turf, they they the other team, the opposing team, the away team, always has a disadvantage. And I feel like San Jose has. I was tuning. I was watching the game as well, just going back and forth. But yeah, that feels pretty bad. But it just seemed like San Jose definitely wanted that game more. And you know, I think. The, definitely, LAFC. They were well. They were. They were obviously out with seven players, and you also add uh, bwp who is not on the 18 or injury. And they, what they told us, it was due to a personal matter. So essentially, they were out with eight players, probably four of them starters. If you count Pablo Sisneros, Mahbub Munir, Danny Masewski. And BWP, one of those two, obviously comes off the bench, but four key players for them. So, yeah, it was tough. But you know, when you lose that many, when, that many players, um, you did have Car- you did have Carlos Vela, you know. But it, it just seemed like San Jose, they were definitely fighting for their lives because they had to win this game in order to secure the playoff spot.
1: Well, and and the way it looks right now, if nothing changes, if if Seattle. Uh, stays in third place and LAFC stays in sixth, then LAFC would go play in Seattle in its opener. Remember what happened last year in the playoffs? Seattle eliminated LAFC. Seattle's beaten them already a couple times a season, and they would play that game on turf, um, which may not be the best thing for LAFC coming with two players. Carlos Vela, coming back from his knee injury, has not played a full game since he hasn't played a full game since March, a 90 minute game, he hasn't played more than 50 minutes since March. And then we still don't know what's going on with Mark, Mark Anthony Kane, his ankle. But people with leg issues coming back with leg issues, um, not 100. percent You definitely don't want them on turf, and that's where LAFC would play if uh, if there isn't a, a, a reorganization of the standings on Sunday.
0: Yeah, and that, I mean playing on turf, playing away, and things. And you may, depending, you may be without Diego Rossi, Brian Rodriguez, Chiqui Palacios, uh, Cifuentes. If they get the call-ups, I know, I know, we know. Rossi and Brian have gotten the call-ups. Uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna be very interested to see if Bob Bradley, um because he's been outright and straightforward that you know he wants his players to go play for the national team. I'm just curious to know if that changes um, with the playoffs. Playoffs, right? The playoffs in, in mind and playoff stakes. You know, game elimination. Um, I think if you if you're if you're Bob Bradley and see, and if you can keep Diego Rossi potentially only let Brian Rodriguez because remember Brian, rod I mean, Brian Rodriguez got to play and Diego Rossi didn't, you know, so I don't know if those are conversations that they're having with the Uruguayan national team, but I think that would make, that to me would make sense because you could still have Carlos Vela on one side, Brian Rodriguez, I mean, Diego Rossi on the other side, but I think if you lose, if you lose both of them, it's going to be very tough if you face, if you're going to have to go against a Seattle or Portland or whoever you have to face in the first round.
1: Well, let, let's talk about why that is. There are two um, uh, South American World Cup qualifiers will take place during the next international window, which begins, uh, players will leave to, re- to rejoin their national teams. They'll leave Sunday. Um, they'll only be gone. Uh, there's only two games, and it lasts about a week. So they would be back. Theoretically, they would be back um, in time for the playoff games. But because of COVID, players that go uh you know internationally they need to quarantine for 9 to 10 days that would cost them one possibly two playoff games it would certainly cost them the opener a uh, couple of things about that uh, LAFC is uh, for uh, despite the way they play and 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 their record is not uh, awful it's you know um, not not what we're used to with LAFC they're not as dominant as they used to be but my point is they have had, they have not had a smooth finish to the season. We're talking about losing Mark Anthony Cade injury, Pablo Cisniega, the three players that have COVID Carlos Vela again, has not been able to play a full game since March. So there's a lot of, and now they've got Bradley Wright Phillips uh, with some personal issue. Um, you know, we wish him the best and hopefully that won't, um, you know, keep him off the field. Um, but certainly there's something more important going on with him that he needs to take care of. My, my point would is being is they did not look good in their game against San Jose. They're coming home. they got Portland. Let's just say they have a great game. That's on the eighth. The playoffs don't start till the twi- uh, till the 20th. Mm-hmm. So now they have a 10 day break. That can be good or bad. and I'd like to ask Rob Badley about that when we get a chance to talk to him. The reason if they play a great game against Portland, you want to carry that into the playoffs. But if you have to wait 12 days, does that momentum really carry over? And then the second part is if you have a terrible game, in other words, two bad games in a row, does that carry over? Or is that 12-day break actually good? Um, You know, For guys who are trying to get match fitness like Carlos Vela, I think you want to play as much as possible. I think the the 12-day break will be great. You'll have some great practices, but that doesn't get you to be game fit. And when you talk about international duty and COVID, Uh, Seattle's best player is Raul Rui Diaz who scored the goal last night in stoppage time to tie the game with the galaxy. He is a big part of the Peruvian team and will be going down for two world cup qualifiers, but guess what? A lot of people don't know this. Uh, according to Brian Schmitzer, the Seattle coach, I spoke to him on Monday. Um, Raul Rui Diaz will not have to go through the quarantine. He can play Peru's two games and he can come back and immediately rejoin the Sounders just like, covid doesn't exist because he was infected uh during the mm-hmm. world Cup qualifiers in october and there is a mls rule which doesn't make a ton of sense to me but apparently there's an mls rule it's if you have been affected and recovered in for the for a 90-day period you do not have to quarantine so that would uh, affect the three lafc players but they haven't left the country so it really doesn't matter um but if Raul Ruiz Diaz goes and plays for Peru, which he will. He can come back and play immediately without a quarantine, meaning he will not miss any of Seattle's playoff games, while the four LAFC players will have to quarantine and would miss that game. That's kind of interesting and really shows how this COVID thing is really shaking everybody up.
0: Wow. So essentially, if you got COVID the last time, it kind of benefits you when you come back if you're playing international. so yeah, you can I mean come-
1: – as I said to Brian Smetzer, that's a silver lining to a dark cloud. I mean, yeah. no one benefits yeah. from getting COVID, but...
0: I mean, in the terms in the terms of coming back and playing, yeah, right? No, right. Yeah, let me be clear. In the terms of coming back and joining your team and being able to play.
1: Right. It gives them a little bit of an advantage um, with this uh, the COVID thing. It would be interesting to see Bob Bradley is going to publicly say all the right things. Remember, Bob Bradley was a coach of two national teams, the U.S. and Egypt. The last thing Bob Bradley is going to say is players should not go on international duty. So he is going to publicly talk very positively about his guys going away, but I get your point. I would not be surprised at all. If LAFC is having some private conversations with Uruguay saying, look, take Brian Rodriguez. He started for you. He played. Um, can we please have Diego Rossi? You can't take our whole team. Um, I don't know how far that would go if I'm Uruguay and I want Diego Rossi, even if he's not going to play, um, I I would argue to keep them. This is the world cup qualifier. Yes. The LAFC game is a big game, but for Uruguay, this is, you know, this is for all the marbles. They're a legitimate, you know, top FIFA team and they're trying to qualify for the world cup in a very, very difficult confederation. Um, The last thing you you want is for one of your forwards to get injured and then you go to the bench and Diego Rossi isn't there. So um, it could be a tough conversation, but you know, LAFC, has done a lot of scouting in Uruguay, have brought a lot of players up there. You can argue they've helped the Uruguayan Federation by by um, giving Diego Rossi and Brian Rodriguez and other players a place to, uh, and a chance to develop. They're investing in Uruguayan football, you know, you know through some of the deals they have down there with, with teams in the Uruguayan first division. Um, I think LAFC has a good argument. I don't know whether Uruguay is going to buy it.
0: Yeah, and the, and the same thing goes for uh, Chiqui Palacios and Jose Sinfuentes. I'm just double checking here. The only one that played was Chiqui Palacios. Let me just double check. Yeah, Jose Sinfuentes doesn't look like he played when he was uh, with, the, with the Ecuador national team. Um, he was on the starting 18 uh, for the first one, um, but didn't come off the bench. And then in the second one versus Uruguay, Chiqui Palacios came off the bench, uh, let me see. Yeah, Chicky Palacios came off the bench, uh, but let me double check. Yeah, Jose Sinfuentes was not on the field for them. So it's a similar situation uh, for, for the Ecuadorian players for them. Um, you know, Jose Sinfuentes didn't see the, the field. Um, and, you know, that's a big key piece, especially if Mark Anthony K is not available for, for them. Obviously, we don't know the severity of his injury. He could be back by then. Um, but I think If you're LAFC, you want all four of those. Oh, you want majority of those players, those players that you can keep. And, you know, um, and I do get the other side. I'm just very interested to see what Bob Bradley is going to say out publicly, like you said. And, you know, I think behind the curtain, there there are definitely some, uh, you would have to speculate. There's definitely some um, conversations going on because this is so important because we don't know if, you know, if we speculate further. We don't know if Brian Rodriguez or Diego Rossi will be here next season after this transfer window in January. And this could potentially be the last few games that we see. We see them with the black and gold um, because there's been rumors about his, uh, you know, Brian Rodriguez, his agent's been publicly out there trying to shop him around Diego Rossi looks like he's going to win the golden boot. He's been shining. He definitely obviously has aspirations to go to Europe. So to me, that's why, that's why I say that. And that's why I kind of speculate that almost because if this is, I mean, if this is the last time potentially that you have all these players together um it would make sense you you would try to keep as many as you can and, and again it's it's COVID it's COVID 2020 you know the year's crazy you also got like you know World Cup qualifiers so it, it, that's that's how the year has been and so I guess I'm just interested to see how they, the game goes against uh goes for them versus Portland this Sunday and then what happens after that and who who ends up going? What Bob Bradley says, and th- those are things that obviously we're gonna have to wait. And I think to your point on wanting to wait ten days, I think ten was it twelve days until the playoffs start? Yeah, that that is a long time. That is, that is that is a very long time, almost like what like a week and a half, almost two weeks essentially, um, for them to play another game. And you know how, you know players you know that are traveling you know the are the players that are going World Cup traveling are still going to be active still getting get games in um, because I think they played around the 12th let me double check they play uh, the 12th uh, Ecuador plays on the 12th and I think Uruguay plays exactly on the 12th and 14th so that that that's interesting Ecuador and Ecuador has a game on the 17th so the, the Ecuador players wouldn't even be back in time uh,
1: well, they, they would be back in time, whether but they, they wouldn't be through their quarantine.
0: Quarantine, quarantine, correct, correct. Yeah. And,
1: and okay, so why is there a twelve a twelve day gap in the playoffs? The reason there's a twelve day gap is because MLS did not want to start the playoffs during the international window. When they set the playoff schedule in September, I think there was an assumption that the that COVID you know, would not be in this third wave, that it wouldn't be as bad as it is now. They had to make their their decisions on their playoff schedule for TV and other reasons. They had to make their decisions ahead of time. And they thought, well, the U.S. national team may have a camp and may be playing friendlies. You know what the U.S. national team is, but Greg Berhalter elected not to call up any MLS players because of the quarantine and they're gonna play with European players only. That was a a very gracious decision on Greg Berhalter's part. But back to MLS, they scheduled a 12 day break because they didn't wanna start the playoffs during the international window. They knew that many players would be going to play for their national teams. Uh, They did not factor in the quarantine because at the time, that quarantine did not exist. So they didn't factor in the 10 days of the quarantine, which again, even if those players play on the 17th, get back to LA on the 18th, they have nine to 10 days to quarantine. I think they could possibly miss two playoff games. Um, so that's why this, that's why there's that 12 day break. And I, I I do think it's an unfortunate break. If you have injured players, that helps. If you have injured players that are back and you're trying to get them fit, like LAFC does, I don't think it does help. I think the break is too long, and I don't think you Mm -hmm. carry any momentum over. When you're used to playing right now, teams playing two and three times a week, to have two weeks off, That yes, you're going to be rested, but you're also going to be, I I don't want to say laser or archedagical, but you're not in your rhythm. And, And at this time of year, soccer is very important about rhythm. One more thing about the playoffs, if the season ended or if the standings hold and they remain as they are now, in other words, LAFC does not, win and minnesota and dallas did not lose so lafc stays in sixth they would open against seattle most likely lafc if they have to go on the road lafc is one six and one on the road they've won one of seven of eight games on the road yeah uh at home they're seven two and one so they that's another reason why they want to open at road you say well why do they have that record when they don't play in front of spectators they did play two of their games in front of supporters but it's the travel. It's the field conditions. It's a lot of other things. Seattle, if they play Seattle at home, Seattle is 6-1-2 going into the final game of the season. Dallas, another team that LAFC could play, they're 7-0-3. They have not lost at home this season. So, does LAFC need to finish in the top four? Yeah, I think yeah. they really do. And two
0: and two of those losses, they they lost to Seattle in Seattle. So if they play Seattle, it hasn't been, it has not. Seattle has not been kind to them. So and that's why that's why I think
1: I think they scored one goal there in the two games.
0: Yeah, and that's why I think I don't I don't think LAFC has two games. Like you know, I, th- I know you mentioned that players can miss two, but LAFC is not guaranteed two playoffs. Game no, time. no, but if
1: they win the first, I think they would play the second in that quarantine window, I believe. But the, the the playoffs are going to be very rapid fire. It's single elimination. They're going to come pretty quickly. And so when you talk about Cheeky and Sin Fuentes, um, would they start for LAFC? Maybe, not necessarily. They're not, you know, uh, nest, uh, you know lead pipe since first team guys. But with, again, after the 12-day break, with those playoffs coming so quickly, um, Depth is going to be important, and so yeah, mm-hmm. those guys may not be starters, but they're certainly among the first guys off the bench. And if you need to do things like if Diego Rossi is not available and you need to to use Latif Blessing as a forward as he played uh, last night, then you're going to need some cover in the midfield and back on, the, on on the back line, and that's where guys like Palacios and uh become very valuable.
0: Yeah, but uh, just just to uh, just to be correct here. See Fuentes and Palacios. I believe they they are starters for LAFC. They've I think they've started the last few games. I know Palacios is the only one that that since the international break, had, he had came off the bench, but he they start they started yesterday, and I think those 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 two are key pieces. And same thing for Brian Rodriguez and and Rossi. So I think it's going to be very interesting. It's just like we'll have to see what Bob Bradley and LAFC say and what they do. Um, you know, I think it's going to be very interesting because I they definitely want to win it, but I think their 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 percentage of you know them losing last night is tough, but I don't know how how favorable they are to make a deep run. And if you add, if you miss four of those players, I think those chances uh, start to start to lower and. Don't doesn't seem very optimistic without those four players, or you know, two of those four players, or three of those four players, or however it turns out. And well, I, think- I mean,
1: when you look at the way they play, you know, they lead MLS with 46 goals. They have given up 38, which is one of the highest totals. So they, if they can fix the back end, um, they have scored 46 goals. And You say, well, okay, but Diego Rossi scored a lot of those, and he might not be available. That's true. And Brian Rodriguez is among the league assist leaders, but. If he is fit and and able to start, you're essentially saying Diego Rossi can't play and Carlos Vela is going to take his spot. Well, that's a pretty good substitution, uh, taking the guy who scored 34 goals last year. And if he can go 90 minutes, he replaces Rossi. Um, yeah, you may obviously having Vela and Rossi together is better. But it's not a huge drop off. It's not like you're going, you know, to some guy who's been sitting at the end of the bench. Yeah. Um, you know, Bradley Wright Phillips has had a great season. Um, if he can, if, if he returns from the personal issues that he's dealing with, and he can start, uh, all of a sudden you don't have Brian Rodriguez and yet and Diego Rossi, but you have Bradley Wright Phillips and Carlos Vela. Not, a, a, you know. A, uh, not a huge drop-off. I mean, I would take that in a heartbeat. It's you got to fix the back end. You've got to, you know, they gave up three goals to San Jose last night. San Jose only has 34 goals this season. Three of them came last night against LAFC. Um, if they can get Pablo Cis- Cisniega back in goal and, and continue to lock down some of those issues on the back line, I would not bet against LAFC. I mean, when they get on a run, when they are playing their football, they are almost impossible to beat but you know like like uh, the game they had against houston that they won at home their last home game they had 27 shots on goal and only scored twice or 27 shots excuse me 27 shots only scored twice i mean that you know if if they were a baseball team and then they were two for 27 mm-hmm. you'd say they have a terrible batting average um so you know they have to be a little they have to do a little bit better with their chances too
0: yeah, and just one thing too, I just want to say like, I was in and out watching, obviously being at LA Galaxy and watching the game. Tristan Blackman started our right back, but he did not look good. Um, he did not look good, and he was subbed out in the 46th minute. And I saw a lot of people online and stuff. And I don't think Tristan Blackman is a right back. I think they want him. I don't think he, I just don't think he has the speed um, um, to keep up with those. With, with the high pressing offense that they have and everything. And I think he he's ha- he has struggled on the right back. And we know LAFC has has had issues defensively. And it looked like that was El Munir. He was they've had El Munir and Latif Blessing on the right back, but because Danny Musovski and BWP wasn't available, they had to move Latif Blessing up to the right back. But El Munir, the last few games, has played that right back. And you mentioned the the the, def- the defensive issues, and I asked Bob Bradley this. Uh, A couple a couple weeks ago, about like when do you think you're gonna have your 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 solid back four? I we know Eddie Segura and uh, Jesus Mourinho. He's he's looked solid. He had an incredible pass yesterday the center back, but I think, you know, it's, it's just that right back and left back, you know, is it going to be Jordan Harvey? Is it going to be a And when say Chicky Palacios comes back from international play, let's say they play a second game, you don't have that consistency and something that you can build off as a player and team, you know, you, you're having so many players in and out on that back line. And I think that's definitely a weakness.
1: Well, you talk about the back line. I mean, we, we have spent a lot of time over the last three seasons praising John Thorrington the general manager uh, of LAFC for the moves that he's made and the players he's brought in, but he deserves a lot of criticism over what's happened with the back line this season yep. uh, o- over the winter. He had a choice. He, had, he had to make some decisions because of the salary cap he had to decide who to keep and who to let go. He left uh, their right back. The guy who leads who, who coming into the season led LAFC in starts on the back line with Steven Bettishore, a guy who has played on uh, a couple of uh, MLS champions now um, and are uh, a couple of supporter shield winners. I should say one MLS cup champion. He's, he's been a winner everywhere he's played. He was on the all decade team, the last all decade team that MLS picked. The point is he's a really good right back. They decided to let him go as a free agent. They did not resign him. He's with Colorado. Now they did resign Jordan Harvey. Uh, jordan harvey can play you know across the back line i'm not uh, i'm not upset about them keeping jordan harvey but they they had to make a choice they took jordan harvey over Stephen bettasore they thought a couple things they thought one that Andy nahar would be able to play this season yep. he has not been able to play he was mm-hmm. going to be the replacement he has not been able to play and i'm not even sure whether that would have been uh adequate anyways i don't think he's a Stephen bettasore he's a good player but um i think Stephen brought a lot more so without Billshore with letting him go with any Nahar not able to play they've tried a number of different people that Tristan Blackman started the season there really not a right back um, mm-hmm. doesn't have i think the instincts to play that position more of a center back um did not play well they've tried um uh, you know Latif Blessing as you said has gotten uh, I think the most starts there he's a midfielder and he played yesterday at forward that has been a real bad spot uh, for LAFC this year i think they would have a much better record and certainly Uh, much fewer goals allowed if they had kept Stephen Benesore instead of Jordan Harvey. Um, I I think that was a really bad decision on uh, John Thornton's part. He had to make a financial decision. Um, He lost a million dollars plus in, in allocation money or or, excuse me. Yeah. in target allocation money that uh, that teams get when they're expansion teams, he lost that two seasons ago and he had to make some decisions that was the one he made um, based on things like Tristan Blackman being ready and Andy Nahar being able to start. Those two things did not work out. And that decision at right back has really plagued LAFC all season.
0: Yeah. I, I would add a little caveat to that. I think the right back, I'm glad you mentioned the, the Stephen better show. Cause that's something I haven't really got in depth with. And I know you've brought up that before. I also would say, uh, you know um, I know they had to make the financial decisions obviously with, the, with the, um, Oh, Walker Zimmerman I think that was the bigger one this season because they wanted to put Tristan Blackman as center back they they thought he would be the replacement uh for Walker Zimmerman obviously that didn't work and I think Walker Zimmerman right now is arguably if not one of the best center backs in all the league and you know, they've they brought Jesus Mourinho in. Um so there's there's been a lot of changes that they that they had to do on that back line and you know, patch patch, you know, patch it with uh Latif blessing, patch it with El Munir, patch it with uh Jordan Harvey and you know Everything to your point, and obviously 2020. But I feel like that's where they're obviously they're the most vulnerable and not having a solid back four of the same players for back to back weeks. Whether it's injury or right? some players have COVID now and all these different things, but every week it's different. Different players are coming in a sub. That's where they're most vulnerable, and that I think that's when it comes to playoff time. That's where they can lose.
1: Well, let's talk about Walker Zimmerman again for a second because every every contract and every player has a different contract, obviously, but the standard procedure for MLS, we talked about a guy like Tyler Miller, for example, who's not back either, went to Minnesota. The standard contract for MLS is two years and an option. Okay. Um, So this would be the third year. This would be the option year. This is where, the, the club and the player, but the club, especially, right? it's, it's more the club's choice for the younger players. This is the year where the club could get out of a contract that they thought was going to be too expensive. Tyler Miller played the first two seasons for about for less than eighty thousand. Uh, was a starting goalkeeper on a supporter shield winner. Uh, played for less than 80000 He was due a pretty massive raise in, in, in his option year and going forward, um, just by MLS contractual reg- regulations, which call for players to get a, a small raise each year and then, and then more money as they go forward, but also for performance. So my point is, LAFC played the first two years under a certain set of salary rules. They also had the million dollars in allocation money from the league. That ran out after the first year. Contracts were coming due this winter, Uh, LAFC needed money. Now Walker Zimmerman had signed a new contract, so he wasn't in that option here, but Nashville offered a million dollars plus 1.2 million. If, if Walker Zimmerman hits a certain number of performance standards, which he will, that was $1.2 million that LAFC needed. They didn't want to get rid of Walker Zimmerman, but that was, that was the epitome of a, an offer that was too good to refuse. So th- that's why Walker Zimmerman left. Uh, they wanted to keep him, but the Nashville Nashville has that allocation money because they're an expansion team. That's where that mm-hmm. money comes from. Nashville had that money. They spent it for Walker Zimmerman. He's had a great season as has Dave Romney playing on the back line in Nashville, which has a tremendous defense. Um, so that, that turned out to be a deal that LAFC couldn't pass up. I think that was one where, in uh, looking at John Thornton, I think he knew that that was a gamble. I'm not sure uh, the, the Betashore one, I think he felt better about that, and that one blew up on him. I think he knew the Walker Zimmerman thing was a gamble, but he had to do it because he needed the money. Um, and, and Tyler Miller was the same thing. I think, I think they had some question marks about Tyler Miller. I thought that they believed Kenneth Vermeer coming in. For a, uh, you know, a, a TAM contract, he's making over 600000 this year. I thought they, uh, they believed Kenneth Vermeer would be the answer. Uh, Tyler Miller certainly would have been a lot cheaper. Um, but they let him go, too, because his contract's going to get more expensive going forward. This is one thing Bruce Arena talked about quite a bit when he was with the Galaxy is the, LAF's, the uh, MLS salary structure is set up to prevent teams from being a dynasty. They don't want a Man City or a Liverpool or a Bayern Munich or a Juventus, they don't want that in MLS. They want all 26 teams have a chance to win every year. And so the way the salary structure is set up, the contracts, two years in an option, the mandatory raises for certain players, all that is is installed. It, it, it's designed to make sure that players keep moving on, that teams keep changing their rosters so you can't have a dynasty. And we've seen that with LAFC. Clearly the best team in MLS its first two seasons, Atlanta United. Great team its first three seasons. Both of the teams are struggling this year. looks like Atlanta won't even make the playoffs. And if LFC loses, they'll finish the season without a winning record.
0: Yeah, no, it's crazy. And just to, just to finish up on that, I think financially I agree it made sense, but I think what they didn't <laughs> account for with Walker Zimmerman was intangibles, was the communication, uh, because I feel like Eddie Segura really thrived with Walker Zimmerman. He was really the yeah. voice back there, and I think without him – Obviously now they they got Jesus Mourinho now, which is it's turning out to look really great. And I think that's a I think that's a three hundred thousand loan off offer uh, option, and then a million to buy. So I think you're almost in the same situation. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think uh, well, just don't quote me on that. But I think that's that's what I that's what I recall. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think with the Walker simmerman situation, they weren't counting for the intangibles, and they were counting on Tristan Blackman to be that. And Tristan Blackman doesn't have the voice or those intangibles, what I mentioned, Walker Zimmerman. And it was a gamble and it it obviously didn't work out. And they, you know, they move on. They got Jesus Mourinho, which looks like a great, uh, great pairing with uh, with Eddie Segura, and I think the the person that's going to benefit most is Eddie Segura on on that. And then uh, Jesus Mourinho does something walkers Walker Zimmerman can't do, or at least that I have not seen. Is his passing ability is insane. He had a pass yesterday that led to a goal. I think to the first goal, Latif Blessing. It, it was it was an insane insane pass. So those are some of the intangibles. So I think looking now. Jesus Mourinho, he he's going to be a player that LAFC can definitely count on the back back line. Um, but yeah, it, and also we also got to include that it's been 2020 and it's it's been a crazy year. The season stopped and then it resumed. But I I just think I just really do believe that consistency is in the back line. It's where LAFC is going to be most vulnerable come playoff time if they don't have. Either the, the 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 international players, or they define who their back four is going to be, and hopefully they don't get no more COVID cases or injuries or anything like that.
1: Well, you mentioned twenty twenty. Um, I hear that excuse a lot. It's it's a different it's a diff- different year, a difficult year. Teams opened the season, then they had to break for four months, uh, then they had to go play that tournament in Florida in very difficult weather conditions and being quarantined in the hotel without their family and friends. Then they come home and start again. They they travel same day travel extremely difficult. Even a trip to Portland, um, you know, the, it, for say a seven o'clock game, teams have to the players have to get up at seven thirty in the morning, get to the facility, take a bus to the airport. It's a charter flight. They get to the city. They go to a hotel, uh, rest before the game. The point is that they're awake and moving about uh, and doing things for twelve hours before the game even starts. Then after the game. They get back on the plane, and come home. They don't get to bed until two, three or four in the morning. You know that's a twenty-one hour day, uh, so they lose a training day. That all has been difficult, and and I've, I'm not suggesting otherwise. And then you know teams like Colorado didn't play five games and had a month off because of a COVID outbreak. Yes, it's all been difficult, but all 26 teams have had to deal with that. And you've seen Philadelphia and Toronto and Portland and some teams do really well. So it can be done. Uh, you know, Toronto isn't even playing in their own country. They're playing in, in mm-hmm. Harvard, Connecticut, good point. Um, you know, where they've been uh, in a hotel kind of sequestered. They've been in, a, in a, a hotel for six weeks now and, and they are, they have a good shot to win this supporter shield this year. So some teams have dealt with it. Um, there has been some changes, a team like LAFC, which feeds and, and Minnesota, which has a good, has had a good year they really feed off their home supporters, though home supporters have not been there this year. So it is an odd year, but I I think it's a little bit, uh, I don't want to say misleading, but it, I, it shouldn't be used in it as an excuse necessarily because some teams are thriving with it. I agree. But I, I will say with the COVID thing, I was stunned by LAFC's three positive cases uh, because when you, if you're around Bob Bradley and you've known Bob Bradley and and I've been following his career since I covered the national team and the South Africa world cup, Bob Bradley is um, really a strict disciplinarian. He's a guy who has one of those unique approaches where um, there's really only one way. It's not like he lays down the law. It's, he sets an example and you follow it. Um, you know, if Bob Bradley is masking up and paying attention to all these rules and following the letter of the law, how can I not do that as a player? There's there's no rounding the circles. You know, it, it's Bob. Bob Bradley is a very discipline oriented coach and everybody toes the line. And you've heard players talk about it uh, when they mentioned things about COVID and the rules and and what they were doing during the four month break. And I say all that because if you would come to me and say, what is the one team that's not going to have any COVID cases this year? I would have said LAFC. That just Bob Bradley is too detail-oriented to let that happen. They had three COVID cases so far. Um, that, and, and I don't mean that to suggest in any way that some of those players did not pay attention to the rules. I think they absolutely did. What it says to me is this COVID thing is a lot more um, – um, not dangerous necessarily but it's a lot more pervasive than perhaps we thought i mean mm-hmm. if lafc guys caught it um it, it would seem to me that there's very little that you can do to prevent it 100 percent because i'm i'm I, I believe strongly that these guys were following all the guidelines and it got through anyways so yeah. if lafc can get it um none of us are really safe
0: no no i agree no. i was going to say even like cristiano ronaldo got it and he had it for a while and you know it's, obviously it's not that he wasn't you know, we don't know, right? We don't know if L. A. C. players or whoever wasn't, you know, doing the proper things. But yeah, we're definitely, we're definitely, we're definitely going way off. But I, I, hopefully those players are able to come out, come back and play, um, because you know they they had to miss, uh, this this weekend or this midweek game, and hopefully they're available, uh, for this weekend because it's a very crucial game, uh, on seeding for them. But Kevin, thank you for being on, man. Uh, before we let you go, let the people know where they can follow you.
1: Baxter 11 on Twitter, and then the LATimes.com.
0: Got it, guys. Uh, so that's Kevin Baxter. Guys, if you, if you guys enjoyed this episode, make sure to give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. You can listen on Spotify or wherever you get your music. And you can follow me at Geo Garcia LA on Twitter. And you can also make sure to check us out at LA Soccer Hub and all social media platforms. For Kevin, this is Geo. We'll catch you guys next time. Peace.